Hey friends! I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and plants and pets that are important to you. This past week I took my dog out for an afternoon walk, and while making our way down a busy street, we stopped and I, I waved a car by that was trying to turn down a road we were about to cross. And sometimes, when I stop to let a car pass, the driver will make no acknowledgement. And this kind of thing is typical of cold and emotionally detached New Englanders. Though sometimes a driver will acknowledge me stopping to let them pass with a quick wave or even maybe a wave and a smile. But on this occasion, the woman driving the car I waved through, attractive, 40s, maybe early 50s, get this, she blew me a kiss. Yeah, I know, I couldn't believe it either. I was so taken aback in the moment that I didn't return the gesture. Needless to say, it made my day. Folks, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. In addition to being the senior writer for the music blog Surviving the Golden Age, I'm also a self-published author with 11 novels currently available for purchase worldwide in both ebook and paperback formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find and purchase all 11 of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. There are no ads on People Are the Enemy, and there is no Patreon set up for it. If you'd like to help support this podcast and myself monetarily, the best way to do that is to purchase any or all of my books. If you've already purchased any or all of my stories, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. Hello, People Are the Enemy listeners. This is episode 303 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Do you hear that? It feels like we're entering into something here. Ooh, it's going to be something good. I can feel it. Can you feel it? Let's feel it together. Let's have a... Let's have a shared moment here. Yeah. It's like I'm about to give a sermon, right? Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. This is episode 303. Drop that beat now, will you please? There it is. I love it. Do you love it? That's the good stuff right there, guys. And gals. Okay, I'm going to back it off just a bit here. For those who don't know, that was the song Paper Moon from the 2022 EP Gentle Centuries by the band Red Pants. And uh, and the reason why I faded that out is the lyrics came up, sung by the great Jason Lambeth, is because I have the great Jason Lambeth with us today. That's right. Whoop, just a moment. Am I screwing everything up here? Yes, I am. 
Not too badly, though. Our guest today, as I mentioned, is Jason Lambeth. In addition to being an exceedingly talented and prolific visual artist, Jason is the front person for the Madison, Wisconsin indie rock band Red Pants. For the last five-plus years, Jason and his musical collaborator, Elsa Nicola, have written, recorded, and self-released five excellent albums. Their forthcoming full-length record, entitled Not Quite There Yet, is Red Pants' first for the Spanish indie label Meritorio Records, and it will be available to purchase in beautiful clear blue vinyl and digital format, as well it'll be streaming everywhere, Friday, October 27th. Now, I have been a fan and a friend of Jason and his work since 2019, and I was graciously provided with an advanced listen to the upcoming Red Pants album, Not Quite There Yet, and I will tell you, as a fan of Red Pants, that if you're like me and you already love this band, you're going to be happy. Now, if you are new to the band Red Pants, this album, again titled Not Quite There Yet, available everywhere October 27th, this is going to give you, the Red Pants newbie, a comprehensive overview of all the things this band does best. Now, if you love Yola Tango, if you love Sonic Youth, if you love Stereolab, if you love softly sung boy-girl vocals, if you love an occasional neo-psychedelic pop freakout, you're gonna love Red Pants' newest album. Not quite there yet. Again, available everywhere. Friday, October 27th, via Meritorio Records. And now, I'm going to catch up with my friend Jason Lambeth and find out what he's been up to and how this new Red Pants album came together. Hello, Jason. Are you there, sir? I'm here. Oh, this is so good. Andy? I'm doing well, thank you. It's so good to hear your voice, buddy. It's been a while. I know it has. But uh, but uh, the distance makes uh, makes us grow fonder, I suppose, as they say, right? Jason, that's you're, right. You're a father of two girls, and I I read this week on social media that uh, one of your girls started a protest at school because the school is not recognizing Halloween. Is this true? This is this is absolutely true. <laughs> I got I got called down um, um, to the to the middle school where my child goes, and I, I should say we're we're uh, pretty gender fluid here at the house. So so I will address them as they they them, um, just so that I'm covering my bases. Sure. <laughs> um, sorry, they're they're actually wanting some sidewalk chalk here. Oh, I'm so sorry. Things are interrupting my phone. Can you can you hear me? Okay, I, I can. You sound okay. Are you okay. Are you hearing me? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm just fine. Um. So so yeah. So I we we got this call. Um. Apparently, you know, it's a district wide thing that there's no celebrating Halloween at school, mostly because of there's no sort of religious uh, celebrations. Uh. You know, Christmas included. You know, anything pretty much. So, but my child and another child decided that they were going to protest this uh, because they wanted to wear costumes to school. Wow! <laughs> and uh, and so I got a call down, and it was like, like they were a bull, you know. Their their eyes were just red, and they were so mad and so offended that <laughs> the teachers or the girls or the, the oh them, my my the my child was the kids. My, my Sorry, kid was. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were, both the kids, they had them setting out in the hall. They had made posters, you know, save Halloween. Oh, my God. And, and the, the teachers were completely understanding. You know, they, 
we all talked about how there are there's lots of things to um, to protest in the world right now, but maybe this this one thing isn't, <laughs> isn't what we need to be to worry about protesting. You know, there's just a lot of factors, and and uh, especially middle school, high school students showing up in masks and. And there's like a lot of safety precautions. We tried to try to tell them this, but when when you're in this mode of I'm right, <laughs> we just needed to kind of take a step back and and take 12 hours, maybe sleep a little bit, and then we could all reconvene and and talk about it with oh, cooler heads. Wow! Wow! I yeah, wanted so to. It was. Go ahead, it was a pretty Jason. epic end towards the towards the end of the week. I there. guess. I guess so. My goodness. <laughs> my goodness. I wanted to talk about the new record, Jason. I'm really enjoying it. The first song on uh, on the new album is titled "Crimson Words," and it uses a, this two chord organ refrain that reminded me a lot of Stereo Lab. Were you and Elsa listening to a lot of Stereo Lab when you were working writing the uh, songs for "Not Quite There Yet"? I uh, yeah, I've been really really loving i don't know i've been really going back to their early catalog the last couple of years um i even found somebody had done this playlist on spotify that was just stereo labs entire discography and release order because it's kind of weird how they would release singles and then they would kind of put them out on these compilations years later and so somebody has gone through them meticulously lined up everything in in order of release and so i just kind of would start at the top of that playlist and just play through it I, um I, so yeah that's a that's a huge huge influence I, um, I know exactly what you mean i i remember initially trying to look up look them up and, and search them online uh and it was difficult because they use the same character which is some kind of like detective some from some kind of french comic um, yes, and he, and he was the cover for like more than a couple of their singles, so it's kind of hard. Mm-hmm. To, it's not like you can just kind of spot the album or spot a single um, easily, you know, and just kind of put them in order. But uh, that's nice that somebody took the time to do that because it, it can be a little overwhelming, I imagine, especially for new folks, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I, I mean, that song started on guitar. It's just like two, like the verses, I guess, are two chords and. And, um, but it really kind of came together once we overdubbed the organ on it, I thought. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, great opener. Jason, there's... Yeah, that, that guy can give Elsa, Elsa kudos. She um, kind of sequenced the first several tracks on the album. Oh, right on. So she picked that as the opener. I would, I would not have... I, I, I had not even thought about that as an opener until she suggested it. No, I think it, it makes a it makes a, a decent opener, and it's a grabber, so it, it gets you immediately, and I like that. Jason, there have been three music videos released in support of Not Quite There Yet, and, and all three are very different from one another, and they're all great. The music video for the song Watch the Sky was created by yourself and Elsa, and it is so simple and at the same time so original. The closest music video I could compare it to is the the Spike Jones directed video for the Far Side song Drop. I don't know if you ever saw that. What, I did afterwards. Yeah, what, go what, ahead. Sorry. That's okay. That's right. I was going to ask was was it hard for you to walk backward for that long? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't too bad. Uh, we we're just you know you can see me probably talking really uh, you know saying okay am I going to hit anything or is anybody coming? <laughs> <laughs> is that what you were saying? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I you know I had had I had had the idea like. I actually turned the music backwards. And I thought, "Oh, I'll learn to sing it backwards." And then I went and um, 
my friend Jem, who uh, did the did another video for me and has done a couple of videos now. Uh, she actually mentioned the Spike Jones yes. video. And so I went on YouTube looking for that and found this whole short sort of MTV documentary. About I remember the that video. I remember yeah, when that they, aired on MTV. Yeah. Yeah. They like talked to a, like a linguist or yes. something and they learned the, the music back. So I, I, um, I felt like I really kind of should. I wish I would have learned about that song beforehand. I think, and, uh, you know, like, cause having it, known that video, I still thought yours was great. I think one thing that sets the two apart for one thing, yeah, is, is in their video. Yeah. They had to like phonetically write out, um, the words so that they could memorize the mouth movements. But the one thing that you guys did that wasn't done, uh, or wasn't done you know, heavily in that far side video was that like, you really saw everything going on around you, like the parents swinging the kids or the, like, yeah. the birds and stuff. I mean, there are a couple of moments in the far side video where like, I think Mike D like rides through on a bike backwards or something like that. Yeah. You know? But other than yeah. that, you really don't. And I, that's one thing that Elsa managed to, I assume Elsa was behind the camera. And that yeah, the she, well, she just held it in one position and then I went through and sort of uh, zoomed in on people and moved it, moved it around. And, I like uh, that. In post and and all the kids are are kids that I care for at um, my in home daycare. No way! And, that's so yeah. great. That's yeah, so great. and then a couple of the the older kids are kids that I I used to like. I was a nanny for my first sort of a childcare job was a I was a nanny for these two boys, and so now they're teenagers and they're in there as well. That's so but, great that you got all those folks to participate. That I so know great. it was it was really cool that they all came down to uh, which it, it was filmed on State Street at the bottom of State Street in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, and uh, which is a a street where. There are no um, cars allowed aside from, you know, buses and uh, service vehicles and things like that. Um, so we could just jump out there, shoot four minutes worth of footage and then run off. <laughs> it worked out great. Folks, I, I recommend checking it out. I'll, I'll make sure that along with the links to the new album, I'll, I'll include a link to to the music videos also so you can check those out. And I recommend you do, folks. They're, they're great. I, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned um, Jem. Um, for the and I know that Jem directed the video for On a Wire. Uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but this this video does not look like it was filmed in Madison, Wisconsin. Is that right? <laughs> I think that was filmed in San Francisco. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I said it's got to be San Francisco. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, and, yeah uh, I know. Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, no, it was sweet that that happened. That that this. Um, I don't know how you came to know to know Jem, but um, yeah, forgive me. I don't know if Jem is a man or a woman. Or, or them. Oh, she is a female. She's a uh, she's a great musician in her own right, and she's actually. Uh, I, I'd recommend you know for you especially. Uh, have you heard Vacant Gardens? That band? No. So it's a uh, it's her and Glenn Donaldson of yeah. Red Pinks and oh, Purples. Oh, I love Glenn and Donaldson. I think he does like all the music, and then she adds vocals. And, yes. Uh, yeah. So they have a couple albums and a seven inch, and she's really great. She's just really great at making music videos. She always comes up with great ideas. She did one for um, for uh, the Pink Stars song off of a, one of our last albums. Awesome. Uh, as well. So, yeah, she's so, I don't know, she's so clever. That's great uh, that you have that connection. And she did a great job on that On A Wire video. It's adorable. A lot of fun. As I mentioned in, in my intro, Jason, not quite there yet is the first Red Pants album to come out on Meritorio Records. And this is a label that is based in Madrid, Spain, but has an office in Portland. How did you happen to have the new album released by this label? 
Well, um, I think I, I don't know how I think his name is Alvaro. I don't know how he came across us, but I'm guessing it's you know through working with Paisley Shirt and um, Kevin, who runs Paisley Shirt Records. He also has his own music project called Sad Eyed Beatniks, and they released one of their albums uh, with with Meritorio at the beginning of 2022. So that was how I had heard of them just like through Kevin and they have a really cool discography I figured out. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I don't know. He, he, uh, kind of messaged me towards the like end of spring, beginning of summer that, you know, would we want to work on something together? And I said, here, I have this album. <laughs> That's great. Like we were, we were literally just about finished with it. That's like, so uh, perfect. Perfect yeah, timing. And yeah, like I we said, just, the, the album is, is again, for, for folks who are unfamiliar with Red Pants, it, it is like a comprehensive view of all the strongest moments of this band. So it's a great first introductory album and a great kickoff album uh, for this uh to be introduced to via this label meritorio i'm i'm so i'm so happy that happened yeah and i'm really happy that it's you know it's the one that's getting pressed to vinyl as well yeah i was going to mention that next it's being pressed on this clear blue vinyl this beautiful vinyl have you seen the vinyl yet no not yet i'm expecting like a a package any day now um i know that i know that they exist and um and i i think that they've been that they're being shipped around but um i haven't i haven't gotten my package of them yet but do you know if there are plans I'm, I'm, to press it on any but, other colors or anything like that or is it just no we just chose the blue okay yeah and how about physical formats are we thinking about any other physical formats or is it just going to be the vinyl so well since i'm we're under contract with them i think just the vinyl okay right we on. actually like signed a contract like it's it's pretty legit wow. I, was, I was yeah i was designing a j card I think the week that he messaged me and then I just sort of stopped working on the cassette. You obviously, I, I assume, did the cover art. You do beautiful collages and there's a gorgeous collage on the cover. And I assume that was done by yourself. Is that right? Yep. And, and yep. I, I, that was one of my first questions whenever I sat down with him was like, can I still design the artwork? And, um, and they, yeah, they were, he was down for it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's got like this deconstructed book um that is like sort of the basis and so on the back of the vinyl will be the other side of the book and there's more collage stuff on it you're used to doing everything in-house and doing everything yourself was it hard to to give up artistic control in some sense of you know like the the production of the vinyl and whatnot was that difficult well yeah i mean since you know i knew that i mean they seemed like pretty professional so i wasn't too worried about it once i got all the Photoshop design stuff sent off um, and it kind of got sent back and I had to adjust some things and send it back. And uh, I, I felt like, you know, they, they've released a lot of records. So I wasn't, I'm not too worried about it. Like the final product, you know? Yeah, sure. In some sense, and, it must be kind of comforting too. You, you know, you're in good hands and you feel like, Oh, this is something I, I don't have to like keep up on. Somebody else is doing this, uh, this work for us. That's kind of nice. Yeah, and it's and it's nice in that you know I've always wanted to release on something on vinyl, but um, I never had. I don't know that. I mean, I could probably scrape together the funds to do it, but to I don't to have somebody that knows what they're doing on that side of the production side is is uh, a blessing <laughs> for true. sure. Right on, man. Right on. 
Jason, one of the songs I love most on the new album is um, Rockwell Kent. And this one is sung by Elsa, and it features some beautiful harmonizing between the two of you. Jason, what is Rockwell Kent? <laughs> Rockwell Kent is, is an artist, uh, or oh. he was an artist. Um, and uh, I, I wish I had Elsa here to explain more. I think that there's a short documentary that I watched on YouTube at one point whenever she introduced the song to me. Um, but I think he might have been like viewed as a communist. I don't. I don't remember. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't want to put words. I have to look into it. Like, I don't want to give. I don't want to give uh, Rockwell the the wrong history. Okay, um, I'll look into but, it myself. I, I I love that song. It's a. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I mean, Elsa's voice is obviously beautiful, and it's a great great track. Um, there are a couple moments on Not Quite There Yet, Jason, where you really go after it in terms of the guitar soloing, and it's wonderful. And I'm thinking in particular of. Um, like the song "Forever" and the song uh, "On a Wire," are you are you at all apprehensive about attempting to recreate these sort of guitar freakouts like live at all? Is that um, no? I it, it's be like it's since it's just the two of us, it gets kind of stripped down. Um, and we we actually played like our first show. It was in a backyard uh, Halloween party a couple weeks ago, and we played "On a Wire" and. You know, I I can kind of like I could use a loop pedal to kind of you know start things off and then freak out over it, but I just sort of hit the distortion pedal and went for it nice. for a couple of minutes, and then we settled back into the the uh, the outro chorus thing. That's so great. You know, uh, but, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I would say like like forever that song. Um, the the solo is actually a bass guitar. Um, like I'm playing the the higher note string on a bass guitar, okay. um, and so that probably wouldn't be <laughs> that wouldn't be repeated live unless we had like a third person to play with us. I wanted to ask you, Jason, while we're we're talking about albums and we're talking about releasing music and whatnot, and uh, I'm sure that you, it, I mean, it was impossible to avoid what happened this past week with Bandcamp. Are are you at all concerned um, with Bandcamp um, still being around? You know. Yeah, I'm kind of concerned that, it, like, what if, because I have all this music on there, what if it just disappears, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, it's uh, it's just a bummer that it was sold in the first place For to sure. such a large company. And, I mean, like, you know, a lot of us, I think, saw this coming <laughs> from the first sell. You try to be, like, hopeful and optimistic that it's not going to go the way to, that it's going, but, you know, like, um, I know a, a friend of mine, Ava, who um, used to write underneath the name Pen Palindrome that I worked with a couple of years ago. Um, she was, you know, working there and she got laid off. And, and it seems like, you know, half the staff got laid off and they're just, from what I can tell, all amazing people that just care about music. And I don't know. It's just a, it's a bummer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I should just like, I mean, I, obviously I'm not going to take the new album down, but like, do you transition to your own website? <laughs> you know, it's like, how do you, what do you do? It, uh, it's such a great, great site and has been such a, I, I imagine like, you know, it's, I've been exposed to so much new music that I would never have gotten exposed to. Uh, had it not been for this site for Bandcamp, and I think it's so yeah. great. I I kind of, in the back of my mind, I I have this this thing, if only because of history, you know, that I think like, well, you know, 
once there's a hole in the fence, like there, there'll always be another hole in the fence. You know what I mean? In terms of like, and when I say, what I mean when I say that is that, you know, if somebody did this, it can be done again, meaning like creating this, this environment where people can upload and sell their art via this site. And I understand that that doesn't, you know, that, that, that's cold comfort to anybody, folks like yourself who have already uploaded and are selling their music via, uh, via Bandcamp. And would like to continue to do so as it's been uh, such a successful platform. But again, in the back of my mind, um, while I do hope it um, it continues to thrive and that the people that it's been handed off to do do the right things going forward. And I don't think that, you know, I don't like to hear anybody getting laid off of any any job that they love. But most especially, I have a, a particular empathy for writers, obviously, and uh, and uh, music writers. Yeah. But uh, I hope that it... Uh, I hope that that uh, you know something something does happen in the positive, but uh, and and again, if that if that's not the case, maybe maybe somebody else creates something that that's even better, you know, and works even even better for for the future. Who knows? But uh, Jason, I wanted to play um, a song from the new album. Not quite there yet. Um, I wanted to play the song "Watch the Sky" for the listeners. Is there anything you'd like to say about this song before I I play it? Um. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a, one of the most um, emotional songs, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, to me, it's like really personal, but like the words and uh, um, I won't, you know, go into the meaning behind the words, but, um, you know, because maybe I think it could be like a universal thing, uh, whatever people take from it. And, uh, but for me, it's like one of the most personal songs. Um, we, we recorded it like, (laughs) like so many times trying to get it right. Um, just like the, the basic bones of the song, like the drums and the guitar. I think I, I, we had like eight to 10 takes of it (laughs) or something crazy. Um, much like much more than the rest of the album. So we really wanted to get right, which I, I think we did. I think you did too. I think you nailed it. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm going to take you off speaker now, Jason, and I'm going to play Watch the Sky for the listeners. And uh, then we'll come back and finish up. Does all all that sound okay? Sounds great, Andy. Okay, great. I'm going to take you off speaker now, and we'll get back to Jason in a moment. And I'm going to play you Watch the Sky from Red Pan's new album. If you're listening to this on the week of the podcast episode's release, that means it's out this Friday. So get after it. It's called Not... The album's called Not Quite There Yet. It's available on beautiful clear blue vinyl via Meritorio Records. There's going to be a link in the description of this episode. I encourage you to check it out. And uh, this is Watch the Sky from Red Pants.
that's it. Watch the Sky by the band Red Pants. Red Pants' new album, Not Quite There Yet, will be available on October 27th. I recommend you check it out. It's wonderful. Jason, thank you so, so much for, for one, doing the show, and two, letting me play that song. I yeah. sincerely appreciate oh. it. Oh, sorry. Um, my pleasure. Sorry, Andy. I was cutting out there. Oh, oh. I was just saying uh, thanks so much. That's all. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, no problem. It's always a pleasure. I love I love talking with you, Jason. And, and uh, like I told you before we started recording, I'm, I'm so, so appreciative that, uh, you know, you, you, you've come on the show um, as early as 2019 and that, that we're still doing this. And I, I sincerely yeah. am so, so happy. It's, uh, it's the reason to keep making albums, just to come and talk to you. As <laughs> long so as, sweet. As long as you'll have me. I'll always have you, Jason. You're, you got a home here. Uh, I love the band, uh, and I, I, love, uh, I love what you do. And uh, please, pass on my, uh, obviously, my, my kind words to Elsa. Uh, amazing do, amazing sure. work from both of you. And uh, my best to your family. Oh, thank you, Andy. You're welcome. You're welcome. And, and, and at this point, folks, I'm going to hand things off to our friend... Speaking of friends, Rachel from Des Moines. And she is going to give you the chart chat. So, without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week. I got some nice feedback from Mary, who appreciated the Freaks and Geeks ref, Sherry, who wants to bring back yelling whipping posts at shows, Tavy, who saw Jim Post of Friend and Lover perform as Mark Twain in 99, Jeffrey, Josh, who gave me a great uh, Both Sides Now cover, Jill, and Bob Sellers on IG. Bob always makes a nice post for People Are the Enemy in his stories, often featuring a song from this segment. Follow him at uh underscore Bob on IG. If I never said it, you can follow me on Blue Sky at The Rachel, and if you need codes, I have them. Hearing on from last week as we keep going through the Freedom Rock songs, Reaching a peak of number six on February 25th in 1967 is The Beat Goes On by Sonny and Cher. This was the third single from their third album, In Case You're In Love. The song was written and produced by Sonny Bono, and it features members of the famed Wrecking Crew session musicians. Uh, Per Wikipedia, there were 19 musicians who played on the track, including legendary bassist Carol Kay, and that's a female Carol if you don't know her. Uh, as well as Dr. John and Mike Post of TV theme fame. The beat goes on, lyrics deal with the changing times, and they remind me of Jenna Fisher and Walk Hard saying, the 60s are an important and exciting time. You almost feel like Sonny Bono felt he should write a song about the 60s, and this is kind of what he came up with. Uh, The beat goes on uh, is also uh, written on Sonny's grave marker at the Desert Memorial Park. And uh, I think this does belong on the compilation. It's good to have something on the little more poppy side. On November 9th of 1968, Cream reached a peak of number six with their song White Room. And that was one of two U.S. uh, top ten hits for them, the other being Sunshine of Your Love that hit number five. This was the first single from the trio's third album, Wheels of Fire. Cream consisted of Jack Bruce on bass and vocals, Eric Clapton on guitar, and Ginger Baker on drums. Cream were considered the first supergroup as all three had been previously in other bands. White Room was written by Bruce with lyrics by poet Peter Brown. The version on Freedom Rock is the full album version, but Wikipedia states there is a three minute and four second single edit that was released. The instrumentation on this one, besides what mentioned, Ginger Baker played drums and timpani, and the group's producer Felix Popolardi, name checked in Life is a Rock but the Radio Rolled Me, played viola. 
I think this is a good fit on the collection. Some nice heavy psychedelic rock. Not so much from the lyrical standpoint. Up next, also reaching a peak of number six, that was on July 11th of 1970, is Lay Down by Melanie. This one's also called Lay Down, Candles in the Rain, and we covered it for uh, Chart Chat back in People of the Enemy 240. Uh, as I mentioned then, this song was uh, written by Melanie, her real name is Melanie Safka, and it was inspired by her time performing at Woodstock. This is the lead single off of the album Candles in the Rain, her third, and the song also features the Edwin Hawkins Singers, which was a choir group led by gospel singer, pianist, composer, and arranger Edwin Hawkins from Oakland, California. And their, their group had charted with Oh Happy Day, an arrangement by Hawkins. I read a great article on the UncleStylus.com blog. Uh, Melanie had written the song and said she wanted to have the choir on the track. And, so, and her producer arranged a meeting, or so Melanie thought, but it turned out it was a complete surprise when they dropped by the rehearsal of the Edwin Hawkins Singers. Um, she sang a solo version of Lay Down, and the choir joined in on the second chorus, and they recorded the song later that day. So with that one literally being about Woodstock and also having a peace message, definite must-have for Freedom Rock. Hitting a peak of number five on June 17th of 1967 is Somebody to Love by Jefferson Airplane. This was the second single off Jefferson Airplane's second album, Surrealistic Pillow, just like White Rabbit from last week. Uh, Somebody to Love was also brought in from Gray Slick's former band, The Great Society, but this one was written by her brother-in-law at the time and Great Society bandmate Darby Slick. Uh, both Somebody to Love and White Rabbit had appeared on a Great Society album, and I kind of misunderstood and then miscommunicated that in the last ep. The lyrics of Somebody to Love explore the downside of, quote, free love and speak of love as an action people choose to take rather than something that happens to them. Um, so this one's definitely an A-plus fit. It's said to be kind of the song that broke open the San Francisco scene or like that hate Ashbury scene, the counterculture. Um, definitely a part of the 1967 Summer of Love. And I really like this one for the connection to the movie A Serious Man. Reaching a peak of also number five on February 28th of 1970 is No Time by the Guess Who. This uh, was originally released on their fifth album, Canned Wheat. Uh, in a longer version, 5 minutes and 35 seconds, and with a somewhat different sound. Then they re-recorded it for their next album, American Woman, and released it as a single in November of 1969. And that is the version that appears on Freedom Rock, and it is a replacement for White Rabbit in the later versions of the album. The week No Time appeared on the Hot 100, December 20th of 1969, the group's previous single, Undone, was in its last week on the chart. Then, when No Time reached the end of its run on March 21st of 70, the next single, American Woman, entered the 100 at number 46. So when No Time had hit number 5, that was the peak for any Guess Who single in the States at that time, but then it was quickly beaten by American Woman, which made it to number 1. So I think this is a good, a good decent replacement. Uh, you know, There's already another Guess Who song, so, uh, but it's a good fit for the sound of the song. Hitting a peak of number five on May 15th of 1971 is Lobo with Me and You and a Dog Named Boo. Uh, Lobo is the stage name for one Ronald Kent Lavoie from Winter Haven, Florida, between Tampa and Orlando. Uh, Wikipedia says he started calling himself Lobo, which I thought was kind of a red flag to give yourself a nickname. Um, but when I was researching a little more on him, so Me and You, that's a, I think that's what his big, biggest song is, but it turns out that he did have a number two hit 
with a song called I'd Love You to Want Me. So that's in my uh, book of number two Billboard hits. And it turns out that he went with the name Lobo for this song at his producer's suggestion because it seemed like it might be kind of a novelty song. So he didn't want to have it associated with his real name. But then he went on to have the rest of his career under the name of Lobo. So um, this one talks about traveling around with the titular characters. Um, but it's stated that uh, Lobo, a.k.a. Ronald, had not been to most of the places in the song. So when he's talking about the wheat fields of St. Paul, he's not actually speaking from personal experience. Yeah, I think I like this one as a kid. This one seems maybe more for kids. I don't know. But I think it fits in on the album with kind of that whole, like, I'm searching for America, traveling around the country kind of a thing. Also hitting number five on September 6th of 1969 is Get Together by the Young Bloods. This is originally written by Chet Powers under the stage name Dino Valenti. Uh, the first best-known recorded version prior to the Young Bloods was the Kingston Trio. Then in 1967, the American group The Young Bloods released it as a single from their self-titled debut. At that time, it hit number 62. Then in 1969, the social justice organization The National Conference of Christians and Jews, now known as the National Conference for Community and Justice, used The Young Bloods Get Together in a radio PSA. And the song was subsequently re-released in 1969 after its renewed popularity at that time hit a peak of number five. This is the only top 40 hit for the Young Bloods, but they had three other Hot 100 appearances. And this song was used in a great scene in the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I'm going to finish up today's segment with two songs from the group Deep Purple. So on September 21st of 1968, their song Hush hit number four. This is the lead single off the group's debut album, Shades of Deep Purple. Hush was written by American musician Joe South and recorded and released by country soul singer Billy Joe Royal, known for Down in the Boondocks, in 1967. Deep Purple guitarist Richie Blackmore heard the Billy Joe Royal Hush while in Germany and brought it to the group for inclusion on their debut. This is a huge hit for, for the group in the U.S., but it did not even chart in their native U.K. I don't think this is a freedom rock fit lyric-wise, but it's a stone-cold classic of psych rock or heavy rock. I read that four of the first five singles released by Deep Purple were all covers and that the group Kula Shaker went on to cover Hush in 1997 and it hit number two in the UK. Up next, hitting a peak of number four on July 28th of 1973 is Smoke on the Water. By 1972, Deep Purple were in their Mark II lineup, keeping Blackmore on guitar, John Lord on Hammond, Oregon, and Ian Payne Pace on drums. But lead singer was now Ian Gillen, and they had Roger Glover on bass. They released their sixth album, the double platinum Machine Head, in March of 72, and it produced four singles, the last of which was the only one to chart in the U.S., which was Smoke on the Water. This song would go on to hit number four in July, equaling the peak of Hush. Smoke is a story song relating the events of a disastrous gig at the Montreux Casino while the group was in Switzerland to record Machine Head. Basically, the story is exactly what's written out in the lyrics. Uh, the song is well known for a riff that a lot of beginner guitarists learn, and I think this fits in very well on the album. Uh, you can kind of imagine like the, the guys from the ad telling, trying to tell each other the story and half remembering it and being like, "Oh, that's yeah, it's a true story. It's really happened." I don't know. A little past that era, but I do, I do like like it for freedom rock. Well, that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. That freedom rock just gives and gives, doesn't it? This has been episode 303 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com.
My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Jason Lambeth. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.